All right, good morning, everybody. I'm very sorry that we are so late this morning. Of course, this is Alex. This is Equity Monday, and we are just a little bit tardy because I had a couple of medical appointments this morning. All routine, everything is good, but an absolute time suck. Still, glad to be here. Starting off with a quick markets update. Stocks are largely down in the United States today, with tech stocks taking an even bigger hit than more general equities. The subset of tech stocks we care about the most, software shares, well, they're down even more, and they are now in a technical correction, if I'm doing my sums correctly. Now, a correction is a 10% decline from recent highs, whereas a bear market is a 20% decline. So we've passed that first threshold. Let's see if we hit the second. Looking around the world, European stocks were up just a smidgen. Asian stocks generally fell, and cryptos have been flat in the last 24 hours. All right, so the biggest news this morning is still the unmasking of the Facebook whistleblower that happened over the weekend. This person leaked a trove of documents that included the social giant's own research into its own products. Very interesting stuff. If you haven't read it yet, you're a little behind, but don't worry. You can catch up. There's quite a lot to catch up on, but it's all fascinating and elucidatory. So enjoy yourself. Her name is Frances Haugen. She gave an interview to 60 Minutes here in America. It's kind of a, a news interview program with a long history. Her revelations have been a series of bombshells, though I do understand that that phrase has lost a lot of its impact in the last couple of years. We have used it more than we perhaps should. But in this case, bombshells, it kind of fits. Now, Facebook, its shares have lost some value today, but it does kind of remain near record highs worth, I don't know, about a trillion dollars more or less. So while it's not really a good couple of weeks for Facebook and the press, investors have yet to really pull the rug out from underneath its value. Now, why is that? Especially as Instagram for kids has hit the skids. There's, you know, declines in usage of the main application or the big blue app, Facebook.com. It doesn't feel like the world's best picture, does it? But on the other hand, online advertising is having a very, very strong couple of quarters that's helping everyone, including the media companies out there, him, like where I currently work. And also it's probably helping keep social networks a bit buoyant, even as the overall global economy struggles to get out of its COVID slump. So Facebook doing fine, though not really probably a very fun place to work right now. What else from the weekend? Well, I read that it was estimated that Apple's operating profit from games in fiscal year 2019, so, you know, a little ways back, was around $8.5 billion. That's per the Wall Street Journal. The same publication noted that Apple earns more from gaming in terms of operating profit than a host of major gaming companies combined. That means that Apple is probably the most profitable games company in the world, maybe in the history of the world. Who would have thought? Well, as it turns out that owning the App Store is a very profitable piece of digital real estate, and that's partly why Apple is so reticent to loosen its grip on its take rate of that particular marketplace. Also out over the weekend, new AI guidelines from China. As the Chinese tech world becomes kind of more top-down and controlled, we're going to see a live experiment of the larger international tech industry racing to innovate against China's more insular and controlled digital market. Now, I know who I think is going to win that particular race, but certainly it's up to you to make your own projections. But we're going to see what's going to happen because this is the reality we live in. And I also read from Crunchbase News over the weekend that capital raised by semiconductor startups has reached $1.6 billion in 2021. That's up from $1.2 billion in all of 2020. So there's lots of interest in solving that particular crunch in the global supply chain, though I wonder if $1.6 billion is actually going to be enough. Wouldn't really hurt to add a zero to that particular number. 
<laughs> All right, well, on to the startup world now, I reckon. Let's talk about EdTech to kick things off. Over in India, Baiju's, a company that you have heard about by now because we talked about it on equity, I want to say 16 billion times. Well, Baiju's raised $300 million at an $18 billion valuation. That's up $2 billion from its last private round. Now, in India, this is probably the best-known startup, I want to say, Flipkart maybe, but Baiju certainly is up there. Now the company has to go public. When you're worth $18 billion, no one's going to buy you. So the question is, where does Baiju's go public and at what price? There's a lot of question marks about the growth of EdTech in this kind of like now quasi post COVID world that we live in, I want to say. And people are curious, how fast can these companies that had such a great 2020 grow after the fact? Well, we're going to find out. Baiju's is going to put up a lot of points on the board for EdTech startups around the world. And if it does well, well, all those startups will look rather good. And if Baiju struggles, they won't. So keep an eye on it. All right, InsureTech is still hot, as it turns out. Life Insurance has been given a new lease on life, according to our own Ingrid London. She's talking about a company called Ladder, which in her own writing provides flexible term life insurance policies from coverage including from $100,000 to $8 million. And Ladder just raised $100 million of its own in the Series D, and the company is now worth $900 million. So how is it different? What does Ladder do? Well, it's kind of that standard mix of things, you know, better mobile applications, better digital experiences, and hopefully a tech-powered underwriting model that'll lead to better and more intelligent coverage. The question is, how does that apply to the life insurance market? I don't know. We're going to find out. But what's really fascinating here is that Ladder is raising after we saw a relatively sharp sell-off in the value of many public insure tech companies that debuted here in the United States. Now, obviously, some insurance markets are better than others when it comes to building a company inside of them. Auto is very competitive. Rental has been medium good for Lemonade. So life insurance? I don't know. People are making a big bet on Ladder, though, and that's good news for insurtech startups. Just because Root is struggling in the public markets does not mean that you cannot raise capital. And Bloomberg reports that the SoftBank Vision Fund 2 is no joke. The fund has made 115 deals this year, roughly quintupling the number of companies in its portfolio in nine months. That's three quarters. That's 5x and three quarters. That's a simply insane pace of capital investment. And I know that occasionally, you know, I might throw in a little bit of enthusiasm to a boring headline, but in this case, I'm not even trying to exaggerate. I'm, I'm literally blown away by that. I don't know how you put that much capital to work so quickly unless you just close your eyes and start throwing checks out the window, but hey, here we are. The difference between the Vision Fund 2 and the Vision Fund 1, I think, and the reason why you haven't heard more about SoftBank and how they're changing the game is that the market is kind of caught up to their investing cadence and scope. So, you know, Vision Fund 1 showed up, dropped capital like bombs, and everyone was like, wow, this is really changing the game. But now in the era of Vision Fund 2, there's also Tiger and everyone's raised bigger funds. And now there's half billion dollar seed funds. And there's just so much money. The Vision Fund 2 is kind of more part of the waves than driving the ocean, which is a terrible analogy, but I'm going to go ahead and keep it. Regardless, looking ahead, we don't even really know how Vision Fund 1 is going to finally kind of math out. There were some hits, there were some duds, so it's a little too soon to say. I will go ahead and throw in there that Vision Fund 2 does seem to have some simpler bets in it, maybe some better deals. And so I would be slightly more optimistic about the second Vision Fund compared to the first, but it's too early and we're going to have to see how this shakes up. But uh, if you were curious who's making a bet on things staying good for a while, well, it's SoftBank again. 
All right, we're going to wrap up about a minute early because I know this is coming out super late and I want to get it over to the editors. So don't forget to follow Equity on Twitter where we tweet under the name Equity Pod. Also, I'm on Twitter under the handle at Alex. Go ahead and say hello or drop us a topic or conversation you want us to have. And we will be back no later than Wednesday morning. So we'll see you then. In the meantime, stay dry, stay cool, and don't you just look amazing today. All right, bye.